In this series, we've been looking at images from the final days of Jesus as he moves toward his death and resurrection. We've talked about the symbols of the palm branch in his triumphal entry, how they echo Old Testament prophecy and point to a king who would come. We've talked about scales as an image of God's justice uh, and as he cleanses the temple courts in this act of care for both the poor and the foreigner. And last week, we talked about a more intimate setting where the disciples share this meal with Jesus. And in an extravagant act, Mary breaks an alabaster jar of pure nard, sparing no expense, she symbolically anoints him for burial at Bethany. Today, we look at another intimate setting and to what is likely the most well-known image leading up to the crucifixion because of its enduring meaning in both Judaism and Christianity. You see, today is all about the Passover. Jesus has spent three years with his disciples, traveling back and forth through Galilee and the surrounding areas. He has performed miracle after miracle. He has proclaimed a kingdom that has arrived and he's taught those around him what that kingdom and its citizens look like. Now, at the end of his living ministry, there's only a few hours until his betrayal and arrest. He sits down and offers one more teaching, one more lesson, and in it, he will pick up the echoes of a foundational moment in Israel's history, resonating over a thousand years from their past. The crazy thing is that this lesson would come in the form of a meal. The Gospel of Luke describes it like this in chapter 22, verses 7 through 13. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. So Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. They said to him, where will you have us prepare it? He said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished, prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. What is this feast of unleavened bread or Passover that requires such preparation? Passover is an annual memorial celebration in Judaism. It is the recalling of a time when God, with a mighty hand and outstretched arm, saved the Israelites from from bondage in the Exodus story. It is so foundational that Jews still celebrate this occasion today because of its meaning and its scriptural mandate. To truly understand it, we need to go back. We need to open to the early pages of the Old Testament and understand this story, the story of the Exodus. It opens with the Israelites in Egypt multiplying and growing strong such that the land was filled with them. But this is where the story turns. It has been 400 years since they arrived in Egypt. And though they had prospered, the Egyptians had become troubled by this foreign people's strength and numbers among them. After all, there were so many of them that they could side with an enemy or create civil unrest. So, to keep the Israelites under control, Pharaoh puts them to hard labor, building the store cities of Egypt. But the evil and domination doesn't end there. Pharaoh eventually decrees that all Israelite male children should be exterminated. Reading this horror of the story, you can imagine the fear in the hearts of the Israelites. Some may even remember the stories of the God of their forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Where had he gone? 
Could he save them? So, under ruthless tyranny and bitter labor, the Israelites cry out for rescue, and God responds by sending salvation through a man named Moses. And this is where we get the Passover event. Most of us remember the story of the the ten plagues, the miraculous and powerful signs that God brings against Egypt. Just before the final plague was unleashed, when it seems Pharaoh will not back down, we read about this Passover. Pharaoh, at the beginning of the Exodus story, had threatened the lives of all the sons of Israel, and now God of Israel proclaims the death of all the firstborn in Egypt. As it states in Exodus 11, 4-5, every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. No one would be safe from this plague, but God provides a way of escape. In Exodus 12, the Lord commands Moses, tell all the congregation of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take from the sheep or from the goats and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill all of their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on a fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord, Throughout your generations as a statute forever, you shall keep it as a feast. Moses instructs that the blood of this Passover lamb was to be painted on the doorframe of each family's house. I want you to imagine it just for a moment. For over 400 years, you have heard stories of your people multiplying and growing. But when you look around, all you see is a suffering people under the brutality of Egypt. You recall your parents or grandparents telling stories of and maybe even praying to this Lord that Moses is speaking for, but you don't really know anything about him. And in this moment, you have no control over your life. The powers all around you are working you to the bone. You're exhausted and you know that life isn't supposed to be this way. You have heard and experienced the miraculous signs and wonders that Moses has performed in the name of this God in order to bring you out of slavery. Now he says, trust in the blood of this lamb, paint it on your doorway and you will be saved. God will pass over you and your family. If you're a parent, take a moment. Imagine the firstborn children of the ancient Israelites. Try to take yourself back to this event with them as you, as you look around. Maybe there were families that painted their door frames with confidence. Maybe they tucked their kids in comfortably, prayed and slept. But I'm sure you would agree with me that most families were full of fear and anxiety. 
when they put their firstborn to sleep. You can imagine them lingering to talk with them late into the night. You can imagine them staying up, holding them for the rest of the night, fearing what might happen before the sunrise. Let me ask you, would you trust the blood of this lamb? Would you trust this God? It had been over 400 years. This God who promised salvation had become a shadow in the minds of most Israelites. They were centuries past the distant memory of their forefathers who worshipped him. In fact, we know from both the book of Joshua and the prophet Ezekiel that they had started to worship other gods, even the gods of those that enslaved them, the gods of Egypt itself. Now, fast forward to the upper room where we continue our text today. This Passover story is what Jesus picks up in his final hours. Luke's gospel in chapter 22, verses 14 through 20 says, And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he said, Take this and divide it among yourselves, for I tell you that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. It's hard to say exactly what the Passover meal in Jesus' time looked like, but things should be relatively obvious from the description we saw in the Exodus story. The Passover should point back to the Exodus event. It was a memorial. It required blood. It required an unblemished lamb. The Passover was intended to bring a people together in remembrance around a common history, a shared salvation. Luke is suggesting something new, something deeper. When Jesus picks up this bread and performs a blessing, just as it had been done for centuries, we see this Passover is different. Jesus doesn't say, we remember the Exodus and how God brought us out with the strength of his might, but instead says, do this in memory of me. Now, Jesus picks up the cup and blesses God in thanksgiving. Again, just as it had been done since the Exodus event. But did you notice what Luke writes? This is absolutely crazy. Before this meal, when people would come to the temple at Jerusalem, the Passover lambs would have been sacrificed and the blood sprinkled at the temple. But instead, as Jesus takes and lifts the cup, he declares that it is his own blood that saves. It is his blood poured out for them. His blood brings a new covenant. Now, finally, did you notice that no lamb is mentioned at this Passover meal. The main element of the meal was an unblemished, roasted lamb. Clearly, the preparation of the Passover assumes the sacrifice of this unblemished lamb, but doesn't it seem odd that Luke, nor any of the gospel authors, mention a lamb? The only thing that is obvious is that they eat bread and drink wine. Brothers and sisters, do you see what's going on here? Luke, and not just Luke, but all of the gospel writers are telling us a story about this symbolic meal. 
There's still a slavery that exists and it extends to all humanity. God's people are still suffering, still slaves to the powers in this world. The gospel accounts are pointing us to a new exodus and it requires a new and better Passover. And thanks be to God, there is an unblemished lamb present at this meal. And the Gospel of John hints at it when John the Baptist calls out, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the blood required for this salvation, to launch this new exodus, is the once and for all blood of Jesus, the unblemished one, who knew no sin but became sin for us. It is His blood spilled for you, spilled for us. And here's the thing. Think back for a moment to the exodus event. Remember the Israelites on the verge of leaving Egypt. They had suffered for so long. They were uncertain about this God of Moses. Could they trust him? Could they trust in the blood of the Passover lamb? Did you hear Jesus as he says, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. The lamb at the center of this new Passover will suffer on behalf of those he saves. So during the last days of the Son of Man, as he approaches his own suffering and death, when he wants us to understand what his death is all about, he chooses to teach us with a meal. He grabs this ancient Jewish tradition, which brings a flood of stories into the minds of anyone who knows the history of the Israelites and he infuses it with this new meaning, and it becomes a sign act that would sit at the center of our faith for thousands of years. Because remember, the central event of our faith, the crucifixion of our Passover lamb, is not once a year, but it becomes part of the monthly rhythm. And each time we take it, you and I are called to remember. We remember that the Father's love whispers, yes, you can trust in the blood of this lamb. For through him I will pass over your sons and your daughters and even you. And the cost was my precious lamb, my only son. I did not pass over him. We're going to take communion together. Let me ask you, do you come to this cup worried? Have you had the type of week or, or month or year that makes you worry that Jesus' blood might not save you? Do you think the things you've done lately somehow put you outside of this king's love and salvation? Maybe some of you are like the nervous Israelite who had lost track of their God, the God of their parents. Maybe you're worried about life's challenges going on all around you, or maybe you're just straight up worried about your kids. To put it a different way, just like the Israelites, you have no control of your life, The powers all around you are working you to the bone. You're exhausted and you know that life isn't supposed to be this way. You have heard and experienced the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus has performed in the name of his Father in order to bring you out of slavery. And this is why we take this meal together today. So would you stand and take the elements with me? We remember his suffering, his death, and his salvation for us. This is his body broken for you and for me. And this 
is the cup of the blood of his new covenant, shed for you and shed for me. Let's take it together. So I have one final question. On the first Passover, when you consider both the courageous and the fearful Israelites who had painted their door frames, whose firstborn was saved? You see, whether fearful or confident, whether weak or strong, the blood of this lamb saves us as it saved them because it isn't about the strength of our faith, but the object of our faith. In this meal, you and I need to know that whether our current circumstances are good or bad, whether our faith is stable or unsteady, we can trust in the blood of this lamb. 